Good morning. Delighted you could be with us today. Hope you're having a good day. If you would like to start a watch party, please do. We'd like to have people join us and be part of our program this morning and our worship experience and hope it'll be beneficial to you. I hope you enjoyed the music and the prayer and everything together. We're delighted to bring that to you. Today, I wanted you to look and I want to talk a little bit about something that we usually don't talk about. And it all has to do with riots and stuff. Have you ever been to a riot? In actual fact, I have never been to a riot, but I've been to a couple protests. Well, I wasn't actually participating, I was observing. Once when I was in college, I was down in Oakland getting my car serviced, and there happened during the Vietnam War, and there happened to be a long line of hundreds of young people, hippie-looking people in those days, going up the street, and they were in a anti-war protest. It was amazing to see. It wasn't a riot, it was a protest. And they were on one side of the street walking on this broad sidewalk, and across on the other side were the police on the other side moving along, and they were taking pictures, and I had never seen one. I said, well, who's taking pictures of this? I said, oh, it's the FBI, and so they're keeping track of who is actually in the protests and who's marching. I said, oh, good, I'm in, I got my picture then. And they have my picture, and then, but I was just walking along, and it was amazingly interesting where they went. So I followed them for several blocks until they got a bank, and they all sat on the steps of this bank and had their chance and had their deal, and they all went home. No damage. When I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, we also had a uh, protest at the Republican National Convention when it was held there in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And just down the street, they would come marching down the street to where the convention center was in St. Paul, and they would march, and they would go up and down, and there were just about 200 people. And I'm going, is this any way to protest? I've been to a protest where there were thousands, and here come these people. Well, what happened was a couple of the young people in their protest thought that the way that they would express themselves is to throw bricks through the uh, big plate windows the, uh, of the Macy's store. And it turned into a riot with the police stepping over. It wasn't pretty. So even though I wasn't there, I kind of saw it from a distance as I was observing this a riot. I used to live in the Portland area. I know because I've been downtown many times in Portland and seen these riots, places where they're taking place. My son, he went in there, and as he was in downtown, he looked at it and says, it looked like that, a bomb went off. He lives on the west side of Portland. How sad, all this destruction taking place. Riots can have different triggers, and they can be motivated by different things. And we're certainly seeing that. But we should know that Rioting has had a long history in our world. There have been riots going way, way back, thousands of years. And there's people expressing themselves, including in Bible times. So if you have your Bible, I'd like you to grab it with you. Take a moment here. Go get your Bible. We're going to look at passage in Scripture that talks about a riot. And that riot, this particular riot, we're going to look at is in Acts 19. We've been going through some of the book of Acts. In Acts 19, we're going to look at this passage together 
about a riot that took place in Ephesus. But please pick up, and I would like for you to begin with me at the first verse. Chapter 19, the first verse of Acts 19. And while Apollos, as we talked about last week, was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. He later wrote a book, a part of the Bible, to the Ephesians for the same church family. So he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples or followers of Christ, not one of the 12, but followers of Christ. That's what a disciple means. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, well, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Well, if you were with us last week, we looked at the topic of tent maker ministries in the Bible, and that was the chapter that dealt with Apollo said that he had been baptizing, he'd been baptizing the baptism of John. And we went through that. I invite you to go back and pick that up if you haven't, and look at that uh, presentation that was made last week, Tent Maker Ministries. It's there and available for you. And it talked about the baptism of repentance. John was baptizing repentance. He was asking for a moral change for these folks, and their life would be different. But we also talked about that what he was going to be schooled in by Aquila and Priscilla was the baptism of being baptized into Christ Jesus. And that baptism, known as a Christian baptism, was a baptism of grace, a baptism into Jesus Christ, you see. So I invite you to go back there and pick up that particular presentation that'll help you understand the background of why Paul said this as he got to the church in Ephesus because evidently there were believers disciples of Christ that were following that had not taken this step of grace see and so therefore they were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ they were rebaptized in that process and they received the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, the Bible says. So it's an amazing story, and I'd like to invite you to look at that. We're going to actually skip that part of the story because we want to deal with the riots. So it's an amazing story from verse 8 to verse 22. So you read that at your leisure and enjoy that story. These are powerful things to read, and we'll lift your spirits, I believe. It's an incredible story of what happened. So skip down to Acts 19 verse 23 would you just find your way down there and make your way to that particular passage and you'll find uh, verse 23 about that time verse 23 said about that time there arose a great disturbance about the way do you see how the word way is capitalized there's a reason for that it was people who were following after Christ the new Christian church before they were called Christians, they would say they were in the way, in the process. They were in the following, you see. It was shorthand for saying, well, they're followers of Christ. They were in the way. So there arose a great disturbance in Ephesus because of what Paul was doing, as you read through chapter, uh, verse 8 through verse 22. So there grew this great disturbance, and there was a silversmith by the name of Demetrius who made silver shrines to Artemis. 
He also, you may be in the King James, it says to Diane, same, same goddess, and brought a lot of business for craftsmen there. Now, he called them together, along with the workers of related trades. And he said, and I'm going to look at this in just a moment, but often tradespeople, they didn't have unions in those days, but often tradespeople would help one another. They certainly do today. I was, uh, while I was in seminary, I learned to be a sheetrocker and how to do drywall. And so as a business, and so I associated with a builder, a contractor, who did everything to get the thing up ready for sheetrocking, and then our crew would come in, I would come in, and we would hang the sheetrock and tape it off and make it all nice and ready. It was a cooperation, a relationship with him where he was benefited and I was benefited, our businesses. So Demetrius, he called in these workers of the craftsmen that were affected that he saw around in Ephesus, and Demetrius had an argument. Now, I'm not talking about arguing back and forth. I'm talking about making his point. And this we need to look at. Verse 25. You know, he said, my friends, that they received a good income from this business. Now, when you had to make idols, make these silver images to Diane so people could take home and put her in their home, and they thought, I need to have this as a religious thing. I've got to have this in my home to protect my family. It made a lot of money for him. Made a lot of money. He went on, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul now has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically the whole province of the world. And he says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. Well, we would say that's true today, wouldn't we? Those of us who are Christians who believe in God know that you cannot contain God in an image. You cannot bring him down to that. God is a spirit, the Bible says. And so we can't do that. And he said all those images, all those silver things of Diane were just nothing but silver picture models, carvings, sculptures. So Paul was preaching the truth of Scripture. But you see, this really affected the silversmiths who were making their living off of that. So in short, it was no business and no bread. You see, if you didn't have the business, then you're not going to eat. And they recognized that. And they saw that, yes, this is going to cut into our trade. This is going to cut into how we feed our families and how we make our living. Verse 27, and so there is danger, not only, and he's going on making his argument, not only is there danger that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess, Diane, you may have, or Artemis, will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. And when they heard this, the Bible says, when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, or if you have it in the King James Version, it says, And when they heard this, these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. They were stirred up. 
So they knew that what Paul was saying was going to cut into their business and cut into what they were doing. And they were angry. Now, this actually was a brilliant move by Didymus because it had two parts. You see, it was a crusade against Paul in what he was saying and changing away from, the, from their business. And it was also a crusade for Diana. Against Paul, for Diana. So it had two parts, two prongs to his argument that pushed everybody and got everybody riled up and angry. Now, there's a tragic truth about all riots. I'd like you to notice this. And this is, this is taken right here. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit from verse 32. But catch this. Here is the tragic truth about riots. Some cried one thing, some another, pushing the assembly into confusion. And most of them did not know why they had even come together. It's interesting, as we're watching the riots and these protests, that they're asking these folks, many of them that are out there and they're so angry and they're throwing things, at, why are you doing that? And many of them don't have a coherent answer. They don't know. They're just all stirred up in the mob. And they're throwing things and they think this is a great thing to do. It is always the same. The emotions of people let loose without reason or restraint until in their fury they can kill without a thought or pity. We saw that in Compton, didn't we? Two police officers sitting in their car, minding their own business. This man came up, pulled out a gun, and shot both of them. No provocation, no pity, without a thought, just got bang, bang, and shot them both. See, there are two sure ways to stir up people. One is you wave the flag, the national flag. The other is that you beat the religious drum. Beat the religious drum. Well, I... I have been pastoring for a while, and I've been involved in pastoring churches for a long time. And it is fascinating to me that from time to time, churches can get into church fights. They're ugly. They're angry. And I have discovered that many times the people are all upset and get all upset with other people in the church when they really have not thought through what they are talking about, and have not bothered to gather the facts, but they're all angry and upset, and of course, different, one heretic, different than the other. And they're terrible. They're destructive. The truth is, you'll never find a church that's perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it, because then it will no longer be perfect, because you aren't perfect. You see, so... so we get into these church fights and they're ugly 
They're destructive. And it takes years for a church to recover. Some never do. I thought this was interesting that Jose Cortez Jr. made this comment. I don't have to like it for God to use it. I don't have to agree with it for God to bless it. I don't have to like it for God to use it. I don't have to agree with it for God to bless it. I've had that experience in my life where I thought, oh, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing that. But then God went ahead and blessed it anyway, and it turned to be a beautiful thing. Proverbs says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> but delight in airing. Always willing to give them your opinion, but never willing. To, they don't find any pleasure in finding understanding. We today desperately need understanding. We need understanding, racial understanding. We need economic understanding. We need political understanding. We need religious understanding of our brothers, our sisters, our community. We need to listen and understand where others are coming from. And it's a difficult thing sometimes for us to do. Remember, a fool, a fool has no patience for understanding. He likes to give, always give his opinion, wants other people to give it, but not listening. There's a comment in the scriptures about itching ears. And the meaning is not that you're having some kind of an itch in your ear, but it means that you're itchy to hear things that are like rumors or that twinge you and they kind of take you off and say, oh, that, that couldn't be right, that couldn't be right. So there are those kind of, kind of things that take place. I've recognized over the years how I have had members of my church going after odd things. We have some that are around that are people who are setting time so when they think Jesus will return and how things are going to be, prophesying into the future. That's the beauty about prophesying into the future today because no one can dispute whether you're right or wrong. But that's not not what we are to do. Well, meanwhile, in Ephesus, in Ephesus, the city clerk, can you believe this? The city clerk, he stepped up and he quieted the mob and he calmly reasoned with them and said, let us, let us reason. If you have a dispute with these men, then take it to the court and take care of it there. Go and make that journey. Calm reason, you see. And it causes us to have a moment of reflection. I was driving in Portland, close to Christmas, and I was just getting off the freeway, and it just had started raining, one of the many times it rains in Portland. And so I was going up the exit ramp, and there were cars stopped at the traffic light on the ramp, and so I stopped behind this car. The car behind me stopped, but the one behind him didn't realize that we were all stopped and slammed in slammed into the back of the car behind me, which pushed into my car and then pushed me into the car in front of me. Well, bang, 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 you can see that chain reaction. Well, the guy sitting in front of me, the car, he got out, he was all mad, he came swearing at me for hitting his car, thinking that I had done that, not realizing that it had been a chain reaction from someone way in the back. 
He jumped to conclusions. Jumped to conclusions about it. Perhaps there's a moment when we see these kind of events happening that we take a minute to look around and just think and not react, to try to understand without overreacting. When events come and disturb us, rioting, destruction, we don't like that. But it's easy to blame people without understanding. I'm not defending those that are rioting. I'm not defending those that are causing destruction. I'm only saying that we need to reflect and have a time where we can give understanding to one another. So if you're reading through the book of Acts, we might ask the question, so what keeps Paul going? What keeps Paul going? Well, in verse 21 of Acts 19, in verse 21, he makes a comment. He makes a comment after mentioning all these places that he wants to travel. And then he said, I must visit Rome also. Why? Well, he eventually ended up there and he was martyred in Rome. He was beheaded for Christ. But what motivated him? What motivated him, pushed him to continue on after all the times of conflict? He was, he was stoned several times. He was shipwrecked twice. He, he, he was beaten. He was run out of town. He was jailed. What would keep him going through that tremendous conflict? Because he wanted to take the gospel to the world. He knew how precious the gospel was. And so he would do anything, endure any hardship, to spread the gospel of Christ, the saving grace of Christ. That's why he became the greatest missionary that ever lived. Because it didn't matter. He knew he wanted to share Christ with others. He knew he had to. So how shall we live then? We need to take the gospel to the world here in our community. I think those avenues, the doors are opening. I think we're reaching out. I think through this meeting, we are reaching people. I have them contacting every once in a while. Through our ministries, through our different ways, we want to take the gospel. We want to open our hand to them, to be understanding and loving. I would like for you in your life to, to consider praying for how can I take the gospel like Paul? Not an easy road. It's not a, it's not a quick journey. But the importance is the salvation of others. And Paul showed his love for other people by taking them the gospel of Christ, that they might be saved. Dear Lord, I thank you for this powerful story. Yes, the riots and stuff, and Paul had to leave, and, and later Ephesus became a church. He carried on. It was difficult times. Paul endured a lot of difficulty. And today, it seems like in our world, I know we endure a lot of difficulty. COVID has really changed our world. But we're looking for ways of what things will be in the future. 
So, Lord, be with us. I pray for all of us that we may keep our eyes on Jesus and that we may expand his ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, coming up on October the 3rd, we are going to open our church for prayer. And I think we're going to set a time between 10 o'clock in the morning and noon. And if you would like to come by, if you're local, if you'd like to come by and just pray with us, just have some time in the church. We're not going to have a formal program. Just come in and share and have fellowship a little bit. Please do come and share with us. We'd be delighted to have you come. That's October the 3rd, Saturday, October the 3rd, from 10 to 12 noon. All right, God bless you.